Hey, it's Paul Purnell here from the RPG Empire. So I have a couple of quick announcements, really quick, hopefully. Uh, first of all, we absolutely adore you. We think you are amazing, and we really are so thankful that you listen to our podcast and that you're a part of our community. And that said, we want to invite you to our uh, Discord server where you can communicate with us, you can ask questions about the stories, you can submit your own fan art, and we can all go like, oh my god, I can't believe they made it look so cool, or whatever we say. And then also, uh, you can, you know, ask questions about running games and how that all works. So definitely hop on over there and join the community more uh, actively. We would love to have you. Um, also, the best thing you can do to support the RPG Empire, besides sending us fat stacks of cash, which we'll always accept, you know, envelopes, you can just address it right to me, um, <laughs> is uh, if you tell a friend. So 100% the best way for a podcast to grow is for people to hear about it from people they trust like you. So I know you have at least one friend. And tomorrow, I want you to go and tell them about this podcast that you're listening to right now that you love so that we can continue to grow and uh, and just really grow as a community. So that's your mission. Uh, and the final last thing to, to just request and say is if you want to support the RPG Empire with actual dollars, the best way you can do that right now is to buy our book, The Dust World RPG PBTA Quick Start Guide. It's five bucks. It's in our uh, shop on therpgempire.com. It's a super light read. It's 30 pages of fantastic layout, great art, and it teaches you everything you need to know to play a Powered by the Apocalypse game if you've never done that. Uh, maybe not everything you know. It It's brief. It's a quick start guide. But uh, it also comes with the playbooks and all the reference sheets. So we would love for you to do that and then hop in the Discord and tell us what, what you like about it, what you don't like about it. We're going to continue to uh, work on that until it's completely done. It should be around 300 pages, include a bunch of awesome manga art because we're really inspired by manga and anime. And uh, that's about it. So uh, those three things, again, were join the Discord to tell a friend, or buy the Dust World book, or do all three. We really appreciate that you listen to the podcast and that you're part of our community, and we can't wait to talk to you more in the Discord. So with all of that said, I'm going to let you get back to the show. Have a good day. Hey guys, it's Paul Purnell here from the RPG Empire. You know me as Lucas, the super cool monster dude from Strangers in the Pines, man. Okay, cool. So I am here to introduce uh, an interview that we got to do for the Behind the Screens podcast we do for our Patreon, and we decided to release it into the wild, if you will. Um, this episode, we talk with Michael Sands, the creator of Monster of the Week, and we talk about how to take a idea from homebrew to a product. And I don't know about you guys, but as a product development person myself, I found the conversation to be very interesting. So I'm not going to keep blabbing on. Instead, I'm just going to roll the episode 
Again, this is an interview with Michael Sands. Hello and welcome to the Behind the Scenes podcast for the RPG Empire. Today, we have a very special guest, Michael Sands, the creator of Monster of the Week. As you know, we rave about Monster of the Week and we have a lot of uh, Monster of the Week stuff on our website and we're really looking forward to this conversation. So stay tuned. Cool. So today I've got Josh with me as a co-host. Hello. And we have the pleasure of talking with Michael Sands, the creator of Monster of the Week. And uh, we're really excited about it. So Michael, could you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself? Hi. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, first, thanks for having me. Um, about myself, um, I live in Wellington, New Zealand. I've been playing role-playing games since around about 1980, when my neighbors got a copy of the basic set of Dungeons & Dragons. And I'm, as you say, known for Monster of the Week, which came out in about uh, 2012 originally, and then um, revised with Evil Hat Productions in 2014, which is probably the edition most people know. And more recently, we've come out with the Tome of Mysteries for it, which has been doing quite well with this year too. I know a lot of people have been enjoying that as well. Yeah, we enjoy it. Lots of extras. Yeah. Awesome. Um, What is your dming style oh um pretty low prep i'd say would be the main thing i like to not have a lot to do beforehand you know i i prefer to kind of improv things in the moment off just a a minimal basis of 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 things um nice which probably led to the creation of monster of the week (laughs) yeah 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 um yeah and I, i really like that uh playing to find out style where Mm. you you don't go in with an idea about where it's going you just go in with here's some cool stuff and see what happens yeah nice that's as a player or as a dm either one (laughs) yeah yeah i like that do you have any like role-playing soapboxes things that you just really love talking about well i think one of them is there's a particularly with um shows like critical role recently there's kind of like and although it's always been there, I think there's been this kind of special mystique about dungeon masters or game masters that it's this like secret hard skill that not everyone can do. And I very strongly disagree with that. I think it's um, it's kind of a self-fulfilling in some ways, but it is something anyone can do. If you can play a game, you can DM it. Mm. There's no secret. You've just got to give it a shot. And, um, you know... Maybe it won't go that well, but you'll learn. It, yeah. uh, it's, it's just a thing to do. You know, it's a slightly different way of playing. Yeah. yeah. I think Matt, Matt Colville has some really good resources on that of, of, you know, one of his intro videos is basically says you are going to fail, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it's so true. And, you know, you learn by failing. So, yeah, we have a whole episode on, uh, our worst DMing mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, is there any worst DMing mistakes you want to share? I mean, I've particularly like late 90s, early 2000s, I ran a lot of pretty experimental convention games at um, our local biggest con here in Wellington. Some of those went very badly. <laughs> um, and it's things like, I, I remember one where I kind of just, it was a really cool game in a cool setting but I kind of started it off in a place where there was nothing obvious for everyone to do. And it just kind of stopped. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and because in my mind, it was like, 
oh, they're being put in this annoying situation where there's nothing obvious to do. Clearly, they will like poke and prod and figure out something to mm. do. But no, it's like the exact <laughs> it just wasn't wasn't a group that were in that mood. <laughs> yeah, the exact opposite of railroad railroad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's funny. Interesting. I'm not sure anything else really jumps to mind at the moment, but I, I always remember that. I, I'm I I feel very sorry for that group that I did that to them. <laughs> wow. I think we managed to have some fun by the end. Though, so that was okay. Yeah, that's good. That's it. I mean, as long as you get around to it. I've heard horror stories of people storming away from tables, just like absolutely mad at the other person. And so I think as long as that doesn't happen, it's a good night. Right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Luckily I've never been involved in any of those. So I count myself lucky. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So uh, today I thought it'd be really interesting if we talked about kind of the process of creating something like home brewing it or whatever, and then bringing that yeah. along the line to uh, actual product that you are selling. And obviously now you've gone through a couple revisions and you've even come out with like a new book. And I know you're working on a couple other projects on the side as well. So I'd love to kind of get into that. I, I have the perfect question to kind of kick that off. If, perfect. If that's all right. Um, um, like what was your motivation? Uh, uh, what gave you the idea to create this game system? Uh, is it your first game system that you've ever created? Uh, no, no, just the first one that actually got finished. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So, so what was the motivation behind monster of the week specifically? Uh, that is a very easy one to answer. A friend of mine lent me the, the DVDs of season one and two of supernatural. And I kind of got through them and started watching season three that was present at the time and thought, man, no one has written a role-playing game that captures that. Like, there's some monster hunting games that were out at the time, but none of them were that, you know? And so, yeah. So, love of Supernatural. That's great. And to a lesser extent, love of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and X-Files and all those other shows. Nice. Um, Fringe. But, yeah, Supernatural, number one. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that just, like, made me think, like, has anyone done a an RPG of, like, kind of lost... You know, but of course it can end better. <laughs> Lost only I think better. That, I think I have seen one, but I cannot remember the name. It's called Lost But Better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or Found. <laughs> we can make these puns all, yeah. all day. All day to all get day. onto the, the, the topic of yes, um, homebrewing, though. Cause, so I got the idea. I thought, okay, I, I can make this game work. And so I actually sat down wrote completely my own system and started playtesting that f for a few years with it just not quite working. Mm. Um, Interesting. So, you know, that was pretty hard, you know, because you'd try this, try that, play a game, it doesn't quite work. Um, and it was only in 2010 when Vincent Baker came out with apocalypse world and it was even like the beta of apocalypse world where we had uh, me and some friends each pre-ordered it huh. and we thought oh this looks cool we, we want to run a game uh, in fact and that game was so much fun <laughs> that we were all super impressed but also as i was playing it i was thinking ah oh, Vincent Baker solved this problem I'd come across writing Monster of the Week and this other problem and that problem. <laughs> it was very much a revelation of all the things he was doing in that game were things I'd been trying and not quite working out how to do. So um, that's where it almost instantly, 
I kind of threw away the rules I had before and was like, okay, I'm taking this game, <laughs> turning it into the one I want. <laughs> nice. Nice. What were some of the biggest challenges uh, kind of hacking Apocalypse World? Certainly compared to now, like right back then, there weren't very many other variations on it out there. You know, I, yeah. uh, I was there writing that. There was Dungeon World was being written. Monster Hearts was being written. And that was about it. So like looking at all the different Powered by the Apocalypse games that are out today, there are so many cool ideas that we hadn't thought of then. <laughs> so it was a bit limiting in that, you know, limited looking back in that way. Um, in terms of the difficulties, the thing I found hard was getting the characters right. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to make sure that they were all kind of encompass a range of possibilities. Mm. So like your chosen one, doesn't just have to be Buffy. She could be a range of characters with those things going on, but not always just like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I tried to do that with all of them. Um, make sure that even if they're inspired by one character in particular, they kind of give you a range of options so you can get your idea of how that might work and bring it into play. And that took a lot of back and forward and, tweaking the wording exactly and throwing moves away and putting new ones in and all that sort of thing. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I definitely think you captured that. Cause like we've turned, you know, the same archetypes into so many different characters. Um, even just, uh, like a third, a couple weeks ago, we played a game, um, based on control, the new, uh, it's a PC game. Yep. And I used a divine to make the main character from control. Uh, so like the special chosen weapon was the, sh the gun instead of like Thor's hammer or something. Um, and it, it was yeah. like, it worked so fluidly. Like we didn't really have any problems. Uh, that's great to hear. Yeah. What's interesting is like, uh, the role-playing community is just, uh, uh, creative by nature. Right. So yeah, it's uh, there's almost like an unspoken, uh, uh, challenge of like, here's, here's what's given to you. Now what can you do with it? You know, which is which is really cool, and and you just see that everywhere, and in, in all the different iterations of, of yeah. podcasts. And I don't think it's even uh, necessarily unspoken. Um, certainly, I remember in the 1980s when I was getting started, and like even then, the role playing magazines were still so close to that hobbyist base that they were all about hacking it and homebrewing it and changing stuff around and throwing out someone's rules variations and things like that. Hmm. I remember those those uh, dragon magazines and white dwarf magazines way back then were full of that kind of stuff. Um, and I guess it was also so much closer to like when Gygax and Arneson were just doing that to make the first one. Right. And, yeah. and Traveller, I think, felt very much the same too. It was also a game that kind of pretty much required you to fill in all the gaps to play it. <laughs> I don't know if you've had a look at the, the original Traveller books, but they are super sparse. Huh. Like they're very much um, like they have a few hints about what the world might be like, but really it's just, here's a framework. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> so it's like make up your own setting, but here's kind of the yeah. the rules to play it. Some of the rules. Some of yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> here's half of the rules. You find the other half by following these coordinates. 
But yeah. that's yeah. like a, a fine line of, of I can only imagine I've never created a system, but of creating a system of you can either give too much information to where people are just kind of like, OK, you know, they're picking out of a catalog uh, or you can give not enough information to where, the, you know, that story that you were sharing earlier of, of you know, people just didn't know what to do in the world, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, so. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think there's a, there are, there is there's not a single sweet spot, but there's definitely a range where you kind of provide enough setting detail that it's inspiring and allows people to be creative without so much that it's just overwhelming and no one can be bothered reading it. Yeah. 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 Which I think that's a, a big thing that D and D is keeping, you know, D and D from, from a lot of people uh, is just, you know, like uh, anyone who plays a board game, they like playing board games. But as soon as you yep. start reading the rules, if it takes over five minutes, they're like they're tuned out and they're done. Same thing with D&D, which I think is uh, an amazing thing that you've solved with Monster of the Week, where it's just super simple. So pretty cool. Yeah, I had two people running uh, Monster of the Week uh, with Josh a couple weeks ago. And one of them had only like neither of them had played much role playing, I guess. Uh, one guy had played a few times D and D. The other guy played D and D like one time, and we were yeah. up and running in like half yeah. an hour. Yeah, yeah. Definitely one of my favorite things about uh, your game. Yeah, I was going to say. I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, like the lighter games, things like Monster Week, Apocalypse World, uh, Blades of the Dark, and all that sort of thing. Um, often people who've played less D and D find it much easier because, you know, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas I think. People have played lots of D&D and not much else kind of end up with a whole lot of assumptions about what the game ought to be that aren't necessarily true for every game. Um, yeah. And I think that can cause just as many problems. But yeah, <laughs> as you say, people who haven't done much, it's no big deal, right? Yeah. D&D bias. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I definitely had that the yeah. first time I played Monster of the Week, uh, just like looking through and stuff. And, like I was trying to like, make the best character, which is kind of what you try to do in D and D or like, like sort of maxing. Yeah. You're trying to like win the game, you know, even though you're not really like, there's this underlying sort of idea yeah. in D and D of like, okay, they're going to throw a Tyrannosaurus Rex at me. I'm going to kill it. And they're going to be like, Oh my God, yeah. you know, whereas in this game, you're like, Oh, there's a T-Rex. If you try to kill a T-Rex and you're like a mundane, you are just going to die. Like, sorry, <laughs> spin some luck. Cause you're dead. <laughs> Well, also, I mean, if you play Monster of the Week long enough, I mean, and your character gets all those level ups, you're going to reach the point where the only thing left for them to do is, like, retire from being a monster hunter, right? Yeah, yeah. They're not just going to keep getting better forever. Right. At one point, they're going to say, no, I've had enough. <laughs> yeah. That, that's your next expansion, though, right, is, is the epic level Monster of the Week. <laughs> uh, no, not that. I, I could see, like, a a retired monster hunter's home scenario. <laughs> that, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like one of these sitcom shows, you know, it's like, and there's Larry. Yeah. He lost his, his arm to a Tyrannosaurus Rex and he replaced it with, uh, like one of those pokey things for the grill. <laughs> like, like, hey guys, look. <laughs> I'm, I'm just picturing golden girls, but like, <laughs> Having yep. had been Monster Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> like the really yeah. old lady, like used to be like a spellcaster. Yeah. It's got 
really yeah. wrinkly See, tattoos. See, that idea's got a lot of legs. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I need to jot it down. Uh, okay, that's our next podcast right there. <laughs> golden, golden girls. I don't know. We'll have to come up with a funny yeah, pun. We'll workshop it. Yeah, we'll workshop it. Um, nice. So, uh, I actually haven't played a lot of uh, Apocalypse World. What are some of the biggest differences that, that you felt like super excited to have added to that? I'm not sure there's anything that I feel excited to have added. I mean, Apocalypse World's a game about kind of one set of things, Monster Week's about another. So the differences are really just that separation. So Apocalypse World, you know, it's Mad Max, you know, your awesomely cool action hero characters. And the world is all about scarcity and people trying to, you know, take what they need. So... It's got a very, very different feel. You know, it's it's all about, you know, like society being in, uh, unstable. And I think you inevitably, when you're a player, you're trying to like assert stability and make things right. But hmm. it never will be just because there isn't <laughs> enough uh, for, you know, for, for it to work that way. Playing Apocalypse World always feels to me like you're striving as hard as you can to make things good and they just constantly falling apart just just after you fix them. So obviously that's completely different to Monster of the Week where you know it's it's that figure out what we're doing and then and then what we need to do and do it um and nicely wrapped up at the end of each mystery um, which doesn't happen in Apocalypse World at all it's it's um more like an avalanche. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so 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 all those things I I changed were because that stuff didn't matter for monster of the week, you know? Right. Was luck a thing that existed in apocalypse world? No, no, that that's mine. Uh, that that's purely for monster of the week. And that's partly because of that, you know, in those shows, you know, the heroes come out of unlikely situations all the time. So that's right. a way to say, here's how you save yourself, even though you look doomed. Yeah. Um, like the building blows up, but you survived. How'd you yeah. do it? A oh, point of luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's why mysteries have countdowns too, which kind of go through, here's what's going to happen. There's something sort of like that in an apocalypse world called fronts. Yeah. Which is like a gang or a community or a phenomenon that's going to be attacking you and causing trouble, mm-hmm. but they don't have that um, kind of end state in them. They're more like an ongoing problem yeah um that will act in certain ways so again that, that that's the sort of change i've I, I made yeah i actually really love the countdown um i think it's it just really helps visualize as, as the person running the game like okay you guys are taking a long time oop check another yeah. <laughs> another countdown <laughs> off you got a phone call uh this guy's gone sorry <laughs> you took too long yeah helps speed your party yeah, and that's exactly what it's for right? procrastinators yeah. you know that are like chatting up the yeah. barmaid for like half an hour and you're like uh you guys realize you're here to stop the end of the world right it's funny yeah the two games that i ran i did not have that yeah and so um there was a part where the ship you know the ship that had taken yeah blah 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 story elements um 
Blaze just was talking and talking and talking to like the you know yeah, one like, of the we probably need to do something yeah soon just here. like nothing was happening so like, <laughs> that was my fault for not including that but it's a perfect illustration of why it's necessary and how it's just a great mechanic yeah <laughs> yeah right, just real quick uh, uh, what do you think should happen to a doomed player who's used all their luck good question oh man that just that depends on the character it's like you know what have they done what mistakes have they made and what you know horrible deals did they do all that you're trying to save yourself (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's one of those like funny things where as as a player um you you know you want to use luck but like it is a looming thing where it's just like (laughs) i don't want to use all of it because then who knows what happens just gotta save one point yeah That that's very intentional too. That that's why why you have a limit. <laughs> it's, it's so good, and it's why it doesn't recover all the time too. Like yeah, a, yeah, a lot of people have asked me, you know, why don't you get some back after each mystery? And and that's why it's so you have that thought that I could run out, and then who knows what could happen? Yeah, and these these characters are meant to be a little bit more disposable than like a D and D character as well, right? Oh, uh, you're talking to the wrong person about that. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe D characters are anything but utterly disposable yeah. <laughs> at my true. level 20 paladin with like 17 subclasses <laughs> I, I mentioned i'm running it at the moment we're we're playing through curse of strad and they're almost at the end and they're all ninth level um so they're pretty hard to kill but um along the way we had uh almost total party kill i think we lost three characters in one fight oh wow and you know spoilers uh, my my attitude has always been (laughs) we've roll the dice see where they come out you know i'm not gonna fudge anything or change anything if they go into a werewolf cave and fight the master werewolf as they in this case did it's on them (laughs) yeah that's fantastic that's so funny like right at the beginning of uh, Dust World podcast. I had one of the characters who was just gonna die. Like, like he picked the yep. fight with like this three armed, like uh, gunslinger who had these three massive guns, and he's just like standing there. He rolls terrible dodge, and the other guy rolls yep. like pretty decent hits, and he shoots three times. You know, and like we're talking, I'm like, okay, how much hit points do you have? He's like thirty. I'm like, oh okay <laughs> and he had like done 50 damage and i'm like there's not i don't even know what to do right now and so mm-hmm. you know it was at the beginning of the podcast i didn't want to like have to recreate a whole character for him so you know i figured it out but i was just like oh no how did this happen <laughs> like why why aren't you smarter come on <laughs> there's a real no, real no. quick there's a follow-up to uh curse of stride that someone wrote called weekend at strides where it's basically <laughs> weekend at bernie's but with <laughs> so when you finish uh, that I'm, one if yeah, you need a yeah yeah just yeah. just throwing I'm that out there <laughs> definitely not gonna tell my monday group about that <laughs> it's it's silly enough already (laughs) (laughs) supposed to be like you know uh conan the barbarian instead it's adventure time (laughs) (laughs) mathematical dude (laughs) we in fact have two comical barbarians in the group (laughs) oh my gosh are they both named conan because that would be hilarious Uh, no conan Conan. 
One of them is a gnome barbarian who is goes by no man. <laughs> <laughs> so close. <laughs> nice, nice. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We got off topic. We did, but it was great. Um, okay, yeah. So so you were kind of working and tweaking uh, Monster of the Week and yeah. you found Apocalypse World and it yeah. solved so many of your problems, which I'm sure yeah. felt amazing. Um, what what was kind of the process from there? Well, there was about six months of building the rules based on Apocalypse World and then about another year or so playtesting that, um, both with my regular group um, who have put up with a lot of terrible playtests from me over the years. Um, so I definitely <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, and also some local conventions around here, just kind of seeing if people were interested in giving a playtest a shot. And um, uh, Wellington has a pretty um, welcoming community for that sort of thing. I think we've got a bit of a history of like homebrews and stuff and the conventions here. So it was, you know, got quite a few playtests done in those situations, which was great. And then kind of, I think uh, I was kind of, you know, working away at it solidly for a long time. You know, it was kind of trying to do a bit every evening. Um, and then there were a couple of people I knew who like, took drafts of the rules to play because they'd like played it at one of these conventions or something and, and wanted to try it more. And I thought, man, if people have asked me for a copy of the rules to play it, it must be done. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, That's great. So that was kind Top of my cover point on it. where I knew <laughs> it, it must be okay. Um, and it's time to kind of try and get it all finished. So um, that kind of led into actually writing the whole rule book text which is a whole other job from getting the rules right. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah, then I did a crowdfunding, like quite a modest one in 2012 through Indiegogo just to get a first print run done. And I mean, I think I had like two or 300 backers for that. So it was enough to kind of get me there and, and pay for some art, get it printed. And it kind of, you know, people played it, it sold um, a, a decent but not large amount um, and, uh, after a couple of years of that, um, Fred Hicks from Evil Hat Productions, uh, got hold of a copy and played it and really enjoyed it. Um, so he actually got in touch with me over Twitter and hinted that they might be interested in trying to help me get it into, uh, wider distribution, which was fantastic. Oh, cool. So I got in touch with him and, um, we started talking about how to do that and what it might take, which led to the partnership with Evil Hat Productions. Um, and nice. the revised edition where, um, cause I thought, you know, if we're going to be reprinting it, doing new art and all that, um, you know, there are a few things that I wanted to change after a couple of years of it being out in the wild, um, which grew and grew. So I think the, the revised editions like substantially bigger than, than the original was. Oh, cool. So I can even find you one actually. <laughs> I can give you a visual demonstration. Uh, yeah. You have to take there's me the, a photo and then I'll put it in the, the old show and new. Notes. So Oh wow, third, wow. Yeah. About a third more stuff. <laughs> nice. That's the, old, the original. Um yeah. So uh, and that was like the new mysteries, a uh, couple of new hunter types, lots of revisions of like the the advice just for the things that people didn't get the first time. Uh so uh, a lot of those 
questions I'd had over the years kind of went into rewriting things just to get the message across a bit better, I hope. That was great. So we got that printed and um, it carried on doing pretty well uh, until, um, as we were saying before, we started, until the Adventure Zone picked it up and thousands more people heard about it and um, yeah. sales really took off since then. So, yeah, a great deal yeah. of gratitude to the folks at Adventure Zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for giving it yeah, a Yeah, that's how I heard about it as well. Like my friend was really into the Adventure Zone. And he heard about it, and so he got it, and then we played it, and then, yeah, the rest is history. And it was interesting, actually, to, to uh, hear them go through those other systems and, and, and you know, try to figure out what they were going to do next after their, their first season, you know, using D&D. And, and yep. uh, it's, it was super cool and kind of obvious to me how they came, you know, they came back to Monster of the Week after, uh, you know, those kind of playtest episodes and um i was i was hooked <laughs> what were the other systems that they played i don't even remember so one of them's urban shadows yeah and it's very cool too i have to say yeah it has some neat uh definitely some neat alternative rules yeah uh that i i liked um but they also use like fate maybe uh, uh i thought they used mask but they might have used fate for the superhero one? Yeah, it's Clint's, uh, yeah. Um, I, can't, I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> side tangent. Um, a tan- tangent of our tangent. So it, it, one of my questions here is uh, tips for others creating their own systems. Would you say that um, right. uh, uh, getting um, used by a major podcast is like the secret to success? <laughs> Just uh, it's 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 it is pretty much the secret to my success so far. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's kind of the uh, the point that uh, the money I earned from 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 this turned from you know a nice little extra on the side to you know a substantial amount um, where I can kind of start being a bit more serious about uh, game design as. Well, not as my day job, but perhaps as a second job rather than just a hobby that maybe gives back a little pocket money, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. super exciting. Yeah. yeah. But like, actually, though, as opposed to just a silly little joke there, um, uh, do you do you have any tips for other people who, you know, are creating their own system? Um, you actually mentioned earlier that you had written uh, a, a whole bunch of rules and, and monster of the week started off as something yeah. more or less entirely unique. And at some point you like threw that out. Um, that's a, that's a super interesting point to me of, of kind of like, you know, letting go of pride of like, Oh, sure. Put all this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to sit down to design a game, you've got to, you can't be precious about anything you're putting in. Um, my attitude these days is to write, if I'm going to play test a new idea, write the absolute minimum rules to actually play it, which might even be just stuff scrawled in a notebook. Try that and see if it works. And sometimes it does, and you can go, okay, now I can kind of put another layer of stuff on it and, and do the next thing I was going to think of. And sometimes it doesn't work at all, and it's like, yep, throw away that version. Um or that game idea even, um, and try something else. I think, yeah, start with the minimum you possibly can. I know um, Avery Alder's got 
this thing called Simple World, which is like the stripped down generic basics of Apocalypse World that you can use to build a hack from. And it's really cool. But nice. I would actually suggest that people look instead something like uh, John Harper's World of Dungeons, which is the uh, like two pages of rules version of Dungeon World he wrote as if Dungeon World was the modern version of something that had been made back in 1979, and this is what World of Dungeons hmm. was. And that's, huh. you know, it's just two pages. Uh, it works as a game. I, I've, I've run it. It's fine. Um, but because it's so small, it gives you a lot more room to move. Now he does a lot of those two-page games, right? Yeah, yeah. Lasers yeah. and... Lasers and Feelings is another one. And yeah, feelings. Yeah, yeah, that would also be <laughs> a good a place title. to start a, a new game idea, yeah. right? Just something so simple that, you know, you can try the cool idea you've got, figure out, okay, try it, see what works, see what doesn't, then put another layer on it. Maybe you throw away the original set of rules you had and do another two-page set of rules, but that's <laughs> not that much work. <laughs> right, true. <laughs> That's that's good advice. Yeah, yeah. And the other the and the other main thing is try it. Right, if you've got an idea, yeah. give it a shot, see if it works. Um, often they won't, um, and you've just got to kind of say, "Oh well, so much for that idea. What's a better version of that?" Yeah. How do you know? How do you know when playtesting uh, doesn't doesn't go well? Uh, <laughs> like like what's what's the key for you of understanding like ah. This wasn't a good rule. It depends. Uh, There's a range of things, right? If it's hard for people to engage with the rule, and you can see that because they can't remember it or they have to keep asking you for how the details work, that sort of thing, that's that's obviously a problem. If things don't work the way you imagined they would, you know, because obviously when you're designing a game, you've got an idea of how the shape of the game will work. And, you know, if someone tries something, what's likely to happen? So if like that's way off and like people fail all the time or people just succeed all the time and never fail, you'll see that just as you watch the game play. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes people will just tell you, um, uh, they'll say, I just really didn't like that rule, <laughs> you know? Mm. So yeah. it, you've kind of got to um, just pay attention to the whole game, right? Um, I find the thing that I need to do is also take notes as I'm doing it, like, oh, yeah, yeah. which is hard. Um, but you kind of have to not just be running and playing the game, but just watching how it all, is all working for everyone. Make notes of questions people ask, problems people have, things you notice about the way the game's going. Um, and then, you know, afterwards, you can kind of go through those and kind of look at them and figure out what to do about them. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I like having built Dust World. I think I've built three different games now, all of them on like a D20 kind of system. And I found that with D20 like type system, I, I ran through the gamut. Like when I first created uh, Dust World, my goal was to just be able to roll as many dice as possible. Yep. <laughs> so like we had powers where you're rolling like 20 D10s. Yep. And um, because it feels cool, you're like, oh, man, I feel yep. awesome. Right. Uh, but then, you know, obviously the math on that and like <laughs> the, time, <laughs> the time it takes is like slow stuff down so much. Yeah, yeah. But there's yeah. just like so much uh, like as we played on the, the podcast, like 
we're, I'm tweaking the rules as we go. Like I have to go back like, okay, so like this guy did 70 damage in one hit and he's level one. Something yeah. is amiss here. Like, let's figure out how to, how to tweak this or, uh, you know, one of our characters was a sniper and he was getting like always getting critical hits. And I'm just like, Mm, we need to tweak these critical hit rules and how much damage he's doing. Like, yeah, I tend to, I've, I've definitely come across that sort of thing. And I tend to, I don't like to tweak things on the fly anymore. I think it needs a bit of thought. So I tend yeah. to, uh, in those situations, either say, okay, that rule's obviously broken, but I can't fix it now. So we'll right. just yeah, go yeah. with it and see what happens. Or just say, oh, well, this doesn't isn't going to work. Let's play something else for the rest of the evening. Yeah. Well, I just think we get usually like during the week before we would play again. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like shooting notes back and forth with them. Like, Hey, I've noticed this problem. Yeah. I don't think it makes sense that your level one character should do this much damage. Like this is, this is how I'm thinking of solving the problem. What do you yeah, think? I think doing it, it offline like, like that's the, the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Not not in the middle of the game. It's it's Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, in the middle of the game I'm just like, damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, didn't expect that. Um, you know, it's one of your favorite things, right? Like play to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, oops. Your story does remind me of one I came uh, one I tried a while ago which completely failed in the same way, which is um there's a game I've been working on oh, forever now, uh which is um about Napoleonic naval adventures, so like the Hornblower books, the Aubrey and Maturin books, uh, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, I and, literally have uh, no idea what you're talking about, but... Uh, <laughs> you see the film Master and Commander with yes. Russell Crowe? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's based on Patrick O'Brien's Aubrey novels, so that's exactly okay. the genre. Yeah. So that, you know, heroic British naval officers versus evil French republicans <laughs> um that, mo- that movie has great surround sound i bought that movie uh yeah when i got my first surround sound <laughs> nice i love the, the cello scene oh it's just yeah, all the yeah. ship creaking and everything yeah. it's great yeah uh, i do thoroughly recommend the books it's based on too they're fantastic but yeah so i had this great idea for for that which was that um enlisted sailors and officers should have different resolution systems because they're of the different status. Um, mm. So I came up with this idea that uh, the regular sailors would roll dice and officers would do a card-based resolution system. Okay. I, I, was, I thought that's so clever and, and so thematic, yeah. you know, it's perfect. And when I tried it, it everyone hated it. <laughs> it was just <laughs> oh, too much handling time, too confusing to remember the two <laughs> sets of rules. Um, yeah. Uh, it was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. So funny. lovely as the idea was, it had to go in the bin. <laughs> they, the resolution system for the captain should have been paying cash. They're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put 20 down on this one, <laughs> but it's actual cash. Yeah. Like the they keeper just actually gets to take pay the, the keeper. The exactly. Exactly. And then you're like, okay, sure. Yeah. You can win that. that <laughs> you can win that skirmish. <laughs> Thanks. Cha-ching. <laughs> nice. Uh, can you tell us more about uh, where, I'm sorry, the Napoleonic, what what was the name of it? Uh, the name of it is Devil in the Deep. Devil in the Deep, right. Yeah. 
So you're working on that currently, right? You've been working on that for a while. Yeah, sort of. It's <laughs> ongoing. I'm not really working on it at the moment. Um, okay. It's one I've got the rules where I'm happy with them, and I need to sit down and turn that into a beta that other people can read and play from. Um, I gotcha. think it's basically done, but I've got uh, two other things that I want to kind of get done first. Yeah, one of them is the like heavy metal space adventure, right? Yep. Yep. Well, oh, I'm in. What was that one called? I'm in. It's I'm in. Heavy Metal Eons, is, is that one? Yeah, so that's all your heavy metal science fantasy adventures. It's kind of designed for one-shots, just totally crazy. Um, I've got lots of really cool um, Mebius-inspired art from um, Wanakoa, who's one of the uh, artists who did uh, a lot of the stuff in Monster of the Week. Yeah, it's it's really cool. That's one of the ones that I'm working on at the moment. I'm trying to uh, get a quick start with one of the scenarios I've got done. Um, okay. And I'm hoping to re- – uh, I'm planning to release that on itch.io as kind of a – here's a taster of the beta of this game. Um, nice. And then I, I do have a bunch of other scenarios, so I thought I'll kind of keep adding to that as an early access thing. Uh, adding in the okay. other scenarios and all the other character types and bits of the rules cool. that don't aren't needed and hopefully build it up to the full game that way. Is that something people will pay for? Like, do you have a Patreon Ooh, or something? I don't know. How, <laughs> you, that sounds perfect for a Patreon like access level. Hey, you get access to my itch.io where I'm putting new games up. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't have a Patreon as the thing, so I'm, I'm not sure yet. about kind of jumping into that. And, and, Do you work for well, Patreon? <laughs> and, uh, Forget Patreon. We'll set you up on my website. <laughs> geez. Oh, jeez. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, and I'm not really sure if like that sense of obligation that a Patreon would give would, would work for me, if you see what I mean. Mm. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm already set up on Drive-Thru RPG and HIO, so right. it's quite easy for me to put them there. But yeah, I think I'll, 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 I'll price it low, you know, and kind of do the thing of, if you buy it now for early access, you'll get what whatever the finished thing is when it's finished um, without having to pay any more. And maybe as the content gets bigger and bigger, the price will, the minimum price will slowly go up or something, or maybe just when it's done, you know. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, for I've sure. I've been thinking a lot about this, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people who are interested in what you're doing now, so definitely. Yeah. Gal- galvanizing that in whatever ways you can, to uh, yeah. so that they can help you do more of the things that they want from you. <laughs> Yeah. Like, give us more games. Well, okay. Help me do that. <laughs> yeah. And I've got another one which I came up with recently, which I intended to be like a really tiny game that I could finish and release quickly. And again, it's turned <laughs> out not to be. The Heavy Metal Eons was, was like that too. Uh, I think now four or five years ago when I came up with the idea, it was like, I'll just do this really quickly and be done, you know. But no. Yeah. You got to do a couple of two pagers, right? Like uh, like Harper. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, my other one, my other one's looking like sixteen pages, so it might still be finishable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What's the uh, What's the, the kind of idea, high level idea behind that, uh, or the the deep the deep dive into it, whatever you're willing to share? <laughs> um, I'm quite happy to share it. the The key idea is that it is about journaling and not about combat in any way. <laughs> so the, the, this game, the working title for it is The Natural Philosophers. 
and you <laughs> are naturalists uh, in a fantasy world who are being sent through a, a portal of some kind to another dimension to explore it. And uh, as you explore, you everyone like instead of a character sheet, you have a notebook and you fill in the stuff you find in the notebook um, as you're working towards uh, the goal of your expedition. Um, so the idea is you'll come away from it with your notebook, which is filled with all your like weird notes and sketches or whatever you felt like filling in based on uh, what you found in this strange world, which is all inspired by random tables of weirdness um, uh, <laughs> as you go. That's pretty cool. That almost seems yeah. like a, a good way to you. You could use that to build a world to then play another game in, you know, like. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's Very sort of like, yeah, because you'll have a map and you'll have everyone's notebooks with their weird stuff. It yeah, definitely be a way to do that. It's pretty cool, kind of like a, a fiasco. How fiasco is much less of a game and more like a, a writer's tool. Yeah, it's a bit more like that. It's um, it's very much uh, here's some prompts. You take them away, do your thing with them, and then kind of come back and 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 build on them as as the game goes on. Yeah, super yeah. cool. Sounds like a good game for people that don't necessarily like role playing. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I like to think that there'd be a fair bit of role playing in it, but um, from the playtests I've had so far, what I suspect will happen is at the beginning there won't be much. There'll be like, okay, it's a new day. We roll on the table to see what we're going to encounter. Everyone does their kind of exploring where they write write down in their notebook what they find, and then. Mm. Um, there's like a back at camp scene at the end of each day where you have to share what you found and discuss the implications of it. So I think that's where okay. the playing will come in um, as as you kind of get into character as your scientist there. Nice. Interesting. Sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, it reminds me of in uh, one of the previous uh, behind the screens, I have um, Robert from the Keepers Fellowship. And okay. we were talking about uh, like using like lore and other kind of backgrounds and uh, other stories in like different games and like how to adapt them. And during yep. it, we ended up came, coming up with the idea to adapt Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, and so we uh, ended up using um, Lady Blackbird's kind of system to make a Hitchhiker yep. Guide to the Galaxy kind of game. But it's kind of similar it's kind of a good fit yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's similar in that there's it's not really about fighting like you can yep. fight but at the end of the day like your article is what's going to be judged yep. <laughs> and so like you're you're trying to like have cool experiences so that you can like yeah go okay uh, and then you know kind of a similar end of the session prompt like what monster of the week has but it's like partying did you find a killer party <laughs> did you break in okay yep. did you know like these so like things that would give you a better chance of like getting higher xp or a better sort of yep. article rating yeah but that it's yep. it's interesting to like come up with those games because so much of role playing right now at least all the things that i've participated in is always like there's got to be some sort of battle like there has to be yeah. some sort of like you're stabbing somebody or you're shooting something or you're investigating but eventually you're gonna shoot somebody yeah. <laughs> you know well, it's, it's like you know it's why so many video games they're all basically combat based and so like um but every once in a while you know you have like the telltale games or you have like a heavy rain you know where it's it's like narrative driven and less about 
winning and more about experiencing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. So here's a cool question. What would you change if you were making Monster of the Week now? Oh, it's another one I already have the answer for. If I was making Monster of the Week now, it would be um, much more like Blades in the Dark. What about Blades in the Dark? Uh, That whole structure for the heist in Blades in the Dark where you kind of get a brief overview of what's going on, tiny bit of planning you pick like what you're going to do and then you're just in it right away the the mm-hmm. idea of kind of flashbacks for planning um, yeah, yeah I love and that. and just that whole structure of you know heist downtime um i think would work really well for monster of the week i mean it's sort of a little there but i think it could be kind of expanded out and some of the ways that um Blades in the Dark, and even more so Band of Blades play with those structures is really, really my favorite thing at the moment. So it, w- it would kind of be more like that. Uh, I also think um, that core mechanic that Blades in the Dark has, I think is more elegant than the Apocalypse World style moves now. I don't know if you've come across it. Is that the one where you roll different depending on how you want to do something? Uh, yeah, not quite. It's uh, basically you. the player decides how their character is going to do the thing, and you've got a range of different approaches or skills that you can roll. So you pick which one you're going to do based on right, what you're trying. Right. And then the group okay. as a whole, although I think this usually falls on the GM, determines like how effective that will be and um, how risky it is. And that's the core mechanic for everything. So, you know, so if you're breaking down okay. a door with the wreck ability, obviously that's perf- the perfect ability for it. So it'll be nice and, um, you know, it won't be very risky at all. Um, but um, right. it might still, but, uh, and if it's like a really tough door, your effect will be limited. But if it's a normal door, it won't. And so it kind of applies to everything. And then if right. someone's trying to open the door by persuasion, who knows, right? <laughs> Maybe it's possible if there's someone on the other side, but, you know. Yeah. Or the door's alive. It's that doorknob from Alice in Wonderland. But yeah, it's it's like, it takes a little while to get your head around that that system. But once you do, it's incredibly flexible and uh, and you don't need to remember very much. You know, it's, it's just the one mechanic, right? So yeah, I, I really love that. Cool. Well, now I want to explore Blades in the Dark a little more. <laughs> I've, I've played it a couple times. Yeah, same. Uh, uh, one was uh, like a Star Wars reskin, Ooh, that's um, which was which was a lot of fun. But it's, it's funny, a um, um, friend of mine's podcast that I had mentioned before, uh, in one of his later ep- episodes, latest episodes, he actually mentions like, you know, they're playing Monster of the Week, but he says, I'm going to borrow a little bit from <laughs> Blades in the Dark as far as like... Uh, uh, the exact things that you were talking about. So, so that's, that's pretty cool. I, I, that, yeah, yeah, it's already in yeah. your head. <laughs> yeah. Also in our home game, uh, the, we've have a heist that they have to break into the Vatican and I had them all roll sharp for how prepared yep. they were and they got a boon and then they could use that boon to like, okay, I already ordered, uh, you know, custodian or like guard uniforms. Or whatever, like that's right. Yeah, but you kind of worked in that yeah. flashback. Type yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so cool. Anyway, what was neat about that, and this is probably just like a good observation of like uh, 
of what works and what doesn't is that didn't seem weird to me. It didn't seem like you had made it up. It just like it felt right. Yeah. So so yeah. Might be just an appendix you could release. Oh, you know, <laughs> or another book. Or another book. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> yeah. The problem is, like, in a lot of ways, I feel like Monster of the Week's pretty much done now. Um, you know, because yeah, it, yeah. it was part of my life for such a long time, and I played it so much when I was playtesting it and initially trying to get word out about it that I haven't played it much for, like, the past three or four years. Yeah, oh, wow. You know, I play the odd game at conventions, and I've done a couple of publicity things at game stores, and I did a, like two or three playtests of things for Tome of Mysteries, but that's pretty much it recently. Um, you know, because like I say, it, it was I was writing it every day, playing it every week for about yeah. two or three years. Yeah. So I kind of once it was <laughs> out, I was like, no, I need something different now. <laughs> and and that's yeah. still not yeah. quite worn off. I get that. Although I have yeah. very much enjoyed a couple of times at conventions, I've got to play as a hunter, which um, obviously being the author of the game, I'm usually the keeper. Yeah. So it's pretty fun to to, to be on the other side of it and just be able yeah, to mess around yeah. and cause trouble. Yeah. Well, we'll have to invite you back. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. To play with us sometime. Okay. What's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite playbook? At the moment, the searcher, the one I wrote for Time of Mysteries. Because like as I was writing that, it just filled up with like, oh, I really yeah. want to be this character. It's it's basically the that my perfect one at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <That's> awesome. <laughs> okay, I'll put you down for a searcher. <laughs> uh, we've we've had one of our players play a searcher. He was a uh, oh cool an urban explorer that accidentally found his way into another dimension. And when he came back, uh, we gave him a move from another playbook so he could phase. And so the idea was that oh, he's nice. like kind of out of shift with That's our really dimension, cool. um, which he he and he was he played him like Keanu Reeves from like every Keanu Reeves movie. So he's always just quoting these really <laughs> philosophical sounding things that are just total gibberish. Nice. <laughs> What's your uh, favorite Monster of the Week story that either you've experienced or uh, uh, someone has told you, you know, about? Like, what's the one that, like, really sticks out to you? I think uh, probably the, the one that sticks out the most for me is um, a couple of games run by uh, uh, a friend of mine at Capcom, which is our Wellington's annual game convention, uh, last year and this year. Um and he was basically uh, running like local Monster Week set in the city um, with like random people. Um, I don't know if you've heard of there's a there's a, a show here at the moment called Wellington Paranormal, which is a spin off of the What We Do in the Shadows vampire film by Taika Waititi. So it's I love yeah. Love well, there's. That. Love that stuff. The shows <laughs> and it's based yeah, in the Wellington. show's basically like cops, but dumb local Wellington cops dealing with the supernatural. It's hilarious. Wellington oh, of Paranormal. What is this called? I, I, I don't <laughs> know if you can find it anywhere else in the world, but it's pretty great. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm he's going done to try. a, a <laughs> bunch of games based on that, and um, they've been absolutely hilarious. And it's partly because um, the supernatural things they find. Uh, so dumb 
that that just makes it work. I, I think <laughs> one that turned up in the show was a uh, haunted plastic bag. Yeah, it was just floating around. <laughs> it was just like floating around, like from. Uh... Um, and yeah, <laughs> I thought it was the wind. No, yeah, it's but in haunted. the in these games I played, uh, we had a possessed bakery. And one of them that that was pretty great was one of the characters. What that was one of the monsters. Or one uh, of the I monsters. think the problem was solved in the end by burning down the bakery. A possessed baby. So, all good. <laughs> oh wait, the bakery burning the down the bakery. what? Yeah, it's funny every time. The- Oh, bakery. Every time that you said the word, like the the feed cut out. So like I I was like possessed bacon, possessed baby. I thought it was possessed baby. Bakery, a possessed bakery. A possessed baby would would, make a hilarious spooky though. (laughs) Oh, actually, speaking of, I have a rules question. (laughs) Uh, You'll just have to be be careful because Usually my answer to rules questions is always what makes the most sense for your game. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Perfect. Uh, So it has to do with telekinesis. And basically the thought that we had is anytime you're doing telekinesis from the new rules, uh, the how are you weird? uh, You always take a harm. Is that correct? Like even if you're because it says by default, you can move something smaller than a person uh, so can you do that uh, without rolling? No, no, that would move be something roll. smaller yeah. than a person. Uh, yeah, see. Oh, okay. See, see okay, Josh. Paul. Okay, let's go on the record. <laughs> Paul was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So by, by default means on a on a regular success, right? Any regular success, that's what you can do. Okay. I mean, you're not going to break anything okay, if you, you let people like move a pen around with their mind, though, right? Yeah, we were for for a long time. We were just kind of like. Letting oh, it right, move yeah. anything that's smaller, you know, a small object. I know, uh, rolling if you it know, sort kind of, of like exceeded that. I like to call it the yeah. good times. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, if it if it works, probably we'll we'll keep doing that in that game. But it was just we were playing another game and someone else had telekinesis, and when we read it, we're like, wait. Have we been doing it wrong all this time? <laughs> now we've talked to the creator, and the answer is yes. We were no. doing it wrong the whole time. Yeah. But we're still probably like going to get it wrong because <laughs> we've been playing fine. like that all day. If it works, don't fix it. It's, yeah, um, what's good for the story? Do you have any <laughs> um, um, tips for creating oh, the perfect man. mystery? Or perfect's a kind of a tough word. Let's just go with a, a really good mystery. Um, a really good I mystery. I think uh, keep it pretty simple, but with one really nice twist in it. Uh, and plenty of people to interact with some of whom have no nice. clue or will be lying. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So something I'm really excited about that I've been working on uh, having to do with creating mysteries is creating multiple endings. So I've created uh, this current mystery that we've played through. It's set in like a superhero world where uh, kind of like the boys, if you've seen that show, where the yep. players are hunting superheroes. So the superheroes yep. are essentially monsters. The mystery, uh, so this first one is who killed Captain Quantum? And the answer to that question could be rolled on a table. So I have like, you know, six different answers and then the keeper can choose at random. So oh, you yeah, can yeah. play the same thing with the same players and still it'd be totally different. Um, and it's something I'm actually super excited about. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think about that idea? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, it, it's especially if you're um, going to be reusing it, it gives it some nice replayability. 
I think the one thing I'd make sure to do is that you kind of pick that at the beginning so you can kind of build in yes, all the right yes. clues rather than kind of right. along the way. Because um, I don't think it would be as satisfying if you're kind of retroactively deciding, if you see what I mean. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's basically the idea is at the beginning, pick yeah. which one you're going to do. Yeah, perfectly yeah. reasonable plan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about it too because we're going to play through basically an arc of that, but then people can download it from our website and literally play the same oh, game, but it's version. totally different version. Yeah. Um, so I'm really stoked about that. Yeah, no, that's a cool idea. So I've got, I've got a weird question here. Um, and this kind of like is going to zoom out from the very specifics that we we're talking about with monster of the week. But um, how do you see the future of tabletop gaming? Like what direction do you see it going in uh, having been in it for so long? The things that I'm noticing most at the moment are just the explosion of small games that's going on, which, I mean, has been happening for a while, but it seems to be going through another burst at the moment, uh, particularly on itch.io. The number of, like, tiny, weird games people are putting up there is just amazing. But also, like, the, the prevalence of streaming and podcast yeah. games is obviously changing things a lot. Um uh, especially with like the amount of attention Critical Role are getting. Uh, I, I was blown away when I saw they're getting a spin-off series on Amazon Prime. I mean, who Didn't would have ever yep. guessed Two that would happen? already pre-ordered. <laughs> I, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah so um, hopefully it won't be like the D&D cartoon in the 80s. Um, <laughs> hey, that was great. I loved that. <laughs> 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 no, it was terrible, but also great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I agree completely. <laughs> I don't think we need another one of those. You know, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, where it's going to go, I don't know, but it definitely seems to be in in the in the throes of changing uh, a great deal at the moment. Um, I'm constantly hoping more people find out. Yeah, you because know, there are so many people who really just play D and D, and um, I, I feel like there's so many cool games out there that do all kinds of different things. Yeah, yeah. That I'm sure a, f- a fairly big chunk of those people who only play D and D would get way more out of the many other games that are out there. They find something that's just perfect for them. Yeah. And I, I wish there was a way to kind of get that knowledge to people, but I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I you know, pop uh, the kind of pop culture, you know, uh, getting people talking. I mean, that's. It, if there was a formula for it, right, we'd all be rich. <laughs> I guess we would, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I have a theory that um, uh, the the prevalence of, like, tabletop gaming and everything is kind of coming from uh, people, people are getting tired of, you know, spending lots of time watching these shows, you know, Lost, Game of Thrones, and just having like the unsatisfying yep. endings or just disagreements with how characters are acting. And, and I think that a lot of people are saying, you know what, I'm going to tell my own story. I'm going to be my own character. Yeah. 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 There's probably some of that in it. Yeah. Yeah. That the entertainment that you create. Yeah. Yeah. Creation, creating as opposed to uh, consuming, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's always been what I liked about uh, tabletop gaming, uh, role-playing, um, you know, before streaming or anything, it always had that feeling of, um, you know, here's something where you get to do it the way you want. Right? It's really cool. It's kind of crazy how much in the like 
um, sort of popular culture role playing has come. I don't know if you saw, but uh, yeah. Wendy's the, <laughs> the <laughs> Wendy's the oh yes, I did see their D and D hack. Yeah, a D and D hack and setting that, that was bizarre and like. It's like there's like a lot of pages in it and a lot of art. Like it was not a joke. There's, like, there's actually not that much yeah. art. They just recycle. Oh. They like focus in on yeah. individual things. But yeah. there's just like so much work went into that, uh. and they're you know they're using it as this marketing ploy. But it's amazing just because of how like they've recognized that both you know that the the role playing kind of crowd there are a powerful crowd to market to, but also yeah. that that's a growing you know, uh, that it's a growing hobby now, which is, I was just blown away by that. <laughs> like, what is this? I, I also f- feel like there's a, a story there where there's um, like one person in their marketing department who's really into role playing and <laughs> yes. was like, can I just have a few thousand dollars to do this one, <laughs> this one project? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just so funny oh man we actually we played we played through it uh did you yeah yeah oh, funny. um and it was as ridiculous as you'd expect uh fun fact though um bailey's uh mixes really well with frosty <laughs> <laughs> did you did you go to wendy's first did you play at Wendy's? Now no, that would no, be no. sweet. They have to have like a Wendy's play night, right? And then they give you free fries, like unlimited fries while you're playing Wendy's the RPG. <laughs> you do get you, you get in-game bonuses if you are eating specific Wendy's items. Nuh-uh. No, you do. It's like written into the rules. It's it's absolutely just bonkers. Oh like my gosh. That's so funny and pretty brilliant. Well, Kalua as well uh, goes well in Frosty. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Because you need that if you're going to play that game. Play that game. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> so funny. Okay, cool. Well, is there anything that you want to share about that you're working on right now or, uh, you know, things that are inspiring you? Um. I think I've covered all my projects there with the uh, uh, heavy metal eons and the natural philosophers ones are my main focus at the moment, trying to get those to a point where I can actually publicize them. Yeah. And then I want to get back to uh, devil in the deep and like finish that one up. And people can find this stuff at your website, generic games. Yep. NZ, right? Uh, yep. Yep. Or dot co dot NZ. Dot co dot NZ. Um, yeah. Actually, I think both of them work. I've, I've got the, got both domains. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's there's information there. Uh, or follow me on Twitter, which oh, I can't even remember what name is. <laughs> generic games NZ, I believe. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes as well. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much for being on the the podcast. Um, we've really enjoyed our time with you. Thanks for having me on. It's been great fun, and um, hopefully, all that crazy stuff we talked about will be uh, illuminating for some some of the listeners <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah for sure for sure it will be yeah it's been a real pleasure and hopefully we can get you in some games sometime. yeah possibly so you can be the the problem maker <laughs> the troublemaker <laughs> yeah i would definitely be keen um although time zones are always a pain over, yeah. over here so <laughs> yeah yeah so if we can fit it in definitely <laughs> cool cool Well, that concludes today's episode. I hope you found it as inspiring and awesome as I did. And I can't wait to check out what happens next week. So until we meet again, play on.
This podcast is brought to you by the RPG Empire. We wouldn't exist without you, so thank you so much for joining the Empire. And for more RPG content, check out RPGEmpire.com. This episode was edited by Michelle Balderson. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was super cool to talk with him, and we will be resuming our normal episodes next week. So catch you then.